Wow. Heavenly Father, give us wisdom as we approach these words. Some of them are very hard to hear. Honestly, God, some of them we don't know what to do with. And there's a lot in us, God, that just wants to have a Christmas cookie and enjoy ourselves right now. But you've called us, God, to straighten up and to look up and to be ready. And we want nothing less. Help us by the power of your word towards that, we pray in Jesus' name. So we look at these texts, and these are, these are Advent texts, texts about the coming of Jesus. And that's what this whole season is about. You know, Easter time, we read all the Easter stories. Christmas time, we read the Christmas stories. But these are the Advent texts. Jesus is coming. Well, so what? So the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians says, we pray earnestly night and day for you. Why? So that we can help supply what is lacking in your faith, it says. And then this is the prayer that he prays over those Thessalonians. So imagine it's not the Thessalonians, it's the Scottsdaleans. And he says, hey, Scottsdaleans, I pray for you guys night and day so that your faith will grow up, so it won't be lacking. I pray that our God and Father himself will direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you all increase and abound in love for one another, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of Jesus with all his saints. You see that? Paul's whole concern about the church, his concern about Thessalonica, yes, but God's concern about you is that you would be, well, how does he say it? That your hearts would be established and ready at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Paul's Paul's doing his whole ministry with people with the end in mind, and the end is that Jesus is going to come. And more than anything, he wants the people to be ready for that coming. And why not? Um, we, we, let now take, take a look at the, um, well, in, in Luke, Jesus says much the same thing. We just read it, but just a reminder. Jesus Jesus, this is during his last week of ministry. He knows he's going to be crucified. He knows that he's going to be uh, put in the tomb. He's going to resurrect, and then he's going to send out his apostles to plant his church, and then he's going to be ascended into heaven. But he's got the people in Jerusalem gathered together, and they're asking him questions like, when is the Messiah going to come and set up his eternal kingdom? And Jesus is saying things like, when you see these things begin to take place, you need to straighten up and raise your heads. And watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down by the cares of this life. Stay awake at all times, praying that you'll have strength to escape. You hear all these, all these words. This is Jesus, kind, nice Jesus with the child on his lap. But right now he's saying things like, straighten up, raise your heads, watch yourselves, stay awake, and pray for strength to stand. Like, it's coming. You better be ready for that. How often do you think about that? I'm saved. I'm good. Yeah, I'm baptized as a baby. I'm forgiven. I make a few mistakes, but God's got me covered. And when I die, I've got eternal life. So it's all good. Paul, Jesus, John, Peter, none of these guys ever encourage you to think like that. Instead, they encourage you to think with great gravity on the fact that when the day of the Lord comes, it's going to be gnarly. <laughs> Joel talks about it. Again, as, as Christians, 
going, going to all the stores, you go to the at-home store, if you, you go to Home Depot, there's even some Christian stuff at the Home Depot. It's just, and what's the, at Christmas time, hope, right? Oh, hope, that's great, you know, like the stars and the sky and the, the wise men. And, but what, what are we hoping for? Well, we're hoping for the coming of Christ. So during the Christmas season, it's easy to get all cozy and think that, oh, it's just going to be so nice when Jesus comes, the, the streets are going to be gold, we're going to have all, this, all these wonderful benefits and blessings, I can't wait for Jesus to come. But then Joel tells us, at the great day of the Lord, I'm going to show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire, columns of smoke, the sun will be darkened, the moon will be turned to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord. The old King James says the great and terrible day of the Lord. Do you know what's coming to people, for people? Again, Luke 21, Jesus says, distress of nations in perplexity, fainting with fear and with foreboding. The day is going to be like a trap. You better be ready to escape. Who here wants Jesus to come back? I do. It's going to be pretty good for me. I'm his child. It is going to be unbelievably awful for people who don't believe. It's heavy, heavy stuff. And I sometimes think we forget that. We think, oh, Jesus is coming in the sky. I'm give Jesus a big hug, and then he's going to float us up to heaven, and it's all going to be good. But there's this incredible picture of judgment that comes at the second coming of Christ. And I believe that if, if we don't see the severity of the second coming of Christ as part of our understanding of the scriptures, like the Apostle Paul said, I want you to come to the fullness of the understanding of the scriptures so that you understand your inheritance in the saints. That is what you have coming, but also the flip side of that is what everybody else has coming. You've got to understand what's happening at the end because that will change the way you live today. So as we focus on the fact that things are going to be bad for people who don't know Christ, it motivates us in mission. It motivates us to share gospel because the people around us need it desperately. So a couple things. In light of the heavy side of the second coming of Christ, just three things I would encourage you to consider and tuck away. Number one is this. Do you really believe it? Really? First of all, do you really believe that Jesus is coming back? Anybody ever watch uh, Bill Maher on HBO? If so, shame on you, because he's an ungodly man, and he mocks the Lord, and be not deceived, a man reaps what he sows. He who mocks the Lord is going to be in trouble. But he's always making jokes about people who actually believe that Jesus is coming back. And sometimes I wonder if there are people even sitting in church that go, yeah, you know, I like, I like Jesus, I like God, but that whole thing about him coming back, it's kind of weird. It's kind of sci-fi. <laughs> and, you know, human beings don't die and then float up to heaven and then come back 2,000 years later. That just doesn't really happen. So I, I have a hard time believing that one. Do, do you believe that? But also, do you believe that when he comes back, he's going to come riding a horse as a warrior with fury to judge the nations? And it's going to be dark and terrible do you really believe that? I ask you that because if you do, <clears throat> we act in our lives according to what we believe is true. And so if we really believe, if we really believe the new iPhone is available tomorrow, 
we go sit on the sidewalk. You know, it changes the way we live. Changes my day tomorrow because that's coming and I really want to go get my... Jesus said, you need to be ready because I'm coming back and it's going to be beyond what you can ask, think, or imagine. Bad on one side, good on the other. Do you really, do you really even believe that? So I would encourage you during the season of Advent to hear these texts and say, God, I want, I want by the power of the Holy Spirit to know that I want to be able to affirm the word of God about these things because I need to, like the Apostle Paul says, I need to have this cultivated in me so that my mind is wrapped around these truths so that I'm ready to live appropriately. So that's number one. Do you, do you believe it? And the second one is this. Are you sure what side you're on? Go, Bill, how can you even ask that? I was baptized as a baby. Yeah, I, I, yeah. But Martin Luther would say, you're baptized so that by the collective prayer of the church, you may receive the Holy Spirit, which opens you up to these truths. You can't understand the truth of the Spirit unless you have the Holy Spirit. So that's why we take our babies and we say, Lord Jesus, please fill this child with the Spirit so we can raise him up in the truth and admonition of the Lord, because otherwise this child is sunk. It's not a baptism pun there, I'm sorry, but it's this child, we need, this child needs to be sunk or else the child is sunk because the Bible says only the spiritual mind can understand spiritual things. But that doesn't mean that that child is necessarily going to stay in a non-rebellious state in his ongoing relationship with God. I know a lot of people who have been baptized as babies and they have denied God completely. And in our Lutheran understanding of that truth, we understand that that's possible. That's why it's so important that we gather like this and we focus in the word of God and we make sure that we stay faithful and endure to the end, prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ. So the Bible says, I'm going to ask you to turn, if you have it, to 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> we mentioned this text in a, in a sermon a couple weeks ago, but it fits so well with today. It's one thing to believe that Jesus is coming back. It's another thing to have assurance that when he does come back, it's going to be a joyful day for you and not a terrible day for you. The Apostle Peter is saying this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He says, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. So we can actually become part divine because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So we're escapees from the dominion of darkness. For this very reason, he says in verse 5, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and with virtue knowledge and with knowledge self-control and with self-control steadfastness and steadfastness godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love in other words it's one thing for god to have opened your eyes to the truth but it's another thing to now walk in it so that you have assurance on the inside that you're living it and it's and it's living in you because he says this next one in verse eight for if these qualities if these qualities are yours and are increasing, so you're growing in them, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, and here's the big one, verse 10, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm 
your calling and election. Confirm it. Be diligent to confirm it. Work hard to make sure that you're walking in the fullness of this Christian faith so you can go, second coming, bring it on. I am so ready. You meet people like that? I am so ready for Jesus to come back. Then there's other people who go, yeah, I've heard about that Jesus thing, and I'm, I'm kind of a fan, but am I really ready? Am I really ready for this? Am I really walking like a man or a woman who is believing that Jesus could come back at any moment and the end is near and the end is either going to be good or bad? Do, do I even live like that? Peter tells us, be diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Which indicates to me that if you don't practice these qualities, you might. Don't fall. Don't be unprepared. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and, Je- Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, the, this, everything I've been talking about, I'm talking about preparing you for that second coming and that entrance into that kingdom. Be ready for it. The biblical testimony just grabs the church by the scruff of the neck and says, you guys have got to stay ready. Stay in the game. Be disciples and bear fruit that disciples bear because it could be any day, any day, any second. That's number one is, do you really believe it? Number two, are you sure? Do you have assurance by the way you're walking that you're ready? And then number three is this, If you really believe that Jesus is coming and that terrible separation from God awaits the lost, throw a lifesaver to somebody. I'm I'm a little uncomfortable evangelizing. Well, they're going to be a lot more uncomfortable in hell than you are evangelizing. Jesus said, he is strongest in your weakness. I don't know what to say. Good. Go open your mouth because you are so weak, you're perfect. So go share the gospel with someone. What if they answer, ask a question I can't answer? Of course they will. There's a bunch of questions I can't answer. I've been studying the Bible for years. We are all, we, we, Paul says, we, we, we peer through glass darkly. We don't understand all the, eternal, uh, all the eternal nuances. But we know this. Christ saves to those who call out to him and says, save me, Christ. I believe in your cross, in your resurrection, everything we just said in that creed, I believe that. So I also believe that thence he is coming to to judge the living and the dead. That's part of our creed. So doesn't it motivate you a little bit when you think about the hard side of the coming of Christ? To share Christ? If you knew that Jesus was coming back on the 25th, wouldn't you like call a friend? Um, You might not believe this, but Jesus is coming back on the 25th. (laughs) How do you know? I just do. And I'm just saying, when he comes, you ought to make sure that your accounts are settled with him before he gets here. Just saying. Why are you bothering me with this? I am not bothering you with this. You need to be saved from yourself. Well, I don't believe it. Well, he does. (laughs) And you ought to. We need to boldly share the gospel with urgency because Jesus is coming again. I want to share a, a quote from C.S. Lewis. And I'll close with this. And we'll spend some time uh, in song and prayer and offering. C.S. Lewis is just talking about the end. And in light of 
who you're going to be. Like, just take a quick glance, side of your eye at the person next to you. They look pretty normal, right? It's like a normal, they're just a human being, right? C.S. Lewis says this, it may be possible for each to think too much of his own potential glory hereafter. It's hardly possible for him to think too often or too deeply about that of his neighbor. The load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid daily on my back, a load so heavy that only humility can carry it. And listen to this. It's a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you'd be strongly tempted to worship. Or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other destination. So now take another glance at that person next to you. If Jesus came back Tuesday, that person next to you would either be glorious beyond your comprehension. You go, well, they're pretty good now. Just wait. Or they could be in horror of torment like you cannot imagine. It's one or the other. It's extremes in this direction. And we start living our life just kind of in the center here with one another as, we're just human beings. I'm just another human being. You're just another human being. I'm going to die and I'm just going to be a human being in heaven. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it is on because of Jesus. And when he returns, the dividing line is set and you need to be ready. C.S. Lewis finishes this with this. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. That's the coming of Christ. And it could happen any day. And Advent is the season where we go, come on, church, remember that. As you, as you walk down Old Town Scottsdale and just looking around at people and go, isn't this Christmas night? Boom, Jesus comes like a thief in the night. And snap, everybody becomes one thing or the other. That's what the Bible says. Which one are you going to be? Honestly, if tonight you're going, I don't know, then I wouldn't leave here tonight without just come up and talk and we'll just go let's iron this out because jesus says my yoke is easy my burden is light just come to me and there's salvation it's freely given we love jesus and jesus saves and you can have full assurance that jesus gives you himself for your salvation and you can be ready and then he says now walk in it and stay close with me until the end and that's what church is we walk and stay close to jesus till the end we do that together so that we don't find ourselves drifting or falling away if you know you're on the wrong side of the second coming, let's talk. If you know that you are on the right side, let's talk to others because they need it. They need it very badly. We're going to receive an offering right now. 
And uh, as we do, we're also going to sing a classic old song. It's called uh, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. It's the longing of the church for that Jesus of the manger to come back at his second coming and bring all of those things that are promised in his coming. So feel free to sing along with us if you know it, or even if you don't, you'd like to learn it. But also just be thinking about where are you at in light of the second coming of Christ? And then we're going to spend some time praying together before we close our evening. So the ushers would come forward.